Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. Good morning and welcome back to Health Matters. Uh, we've as you know, if you've been listening to us with any regularity, you know we've spent a, a great deal of time covering the the COVID epidemic and the consequences of that. We've taken voices from actually all over the world. We've taken voices from the UK, voices from China, voices from the United States, United States and elsewhere. And so, uh, even though there's still much to be talking about that. Um, I thought we'd give us a little break, a little change. So today we're going to be talking about age-related hormone de decline. And in the male, this is, uh, of course, in the female, we know this is called menopause. But in men, it's called andropause. And it's um, a subject that our, our guest today, our, 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 our later guest in the program, uh, Dr. Uh, Myron Spar, who's going to be representing or is representing a... Uh, aspiring national health, actually telehealth company that does a lot of its work scheduling and working with people online. They've also uh, chosen to pick up the thread of, of home testing for COVID. But we're going to be talking about the hormone part of their work. And so that'll be later, later in the program. Uh, Dr. Spar will be with us and describing uh, their process, but also the, the basis of what the age-related hormone decline is from the perspective of modern medicine and what modern medicine can do about it. Um, and so, but before we get to that, I kind of wanted to let our listeners, our regular listeners who know that we're basically more in the natural medicine business. So what, what, is that, what does that picture look like? So I went to a, what I've always found to be a, a reliable source for some of that information. Uh, Rosemary Gladstar is quite a famous and very well-known uh, herbalist, uh, but also teacher, who was very long in California and now is elsewhere in the, in the New England area. But she'd written an interesting book that describes some of this uh, for us. And so what I'm going to do basically is just uh, to get our heads around the topic, I'm going to read something from um, Rosemary Gladstar, which sort of sets up the topic, I think, very effectively. So give me a second here while I organize myself. And 35, 16, one carry the one. Um, okay. So this is from Rosemary Gladstar's book on male health. On a chapter called Andropos, uh, Age-Related Hormone Decline. This is... Uh, a common occurrence among men who have reached their midlife years. In fact, most men experience it in varying degrees beginning somewhere in the mid-40s in the early 50s. Even so, many men today haven't heard of andropause and don't know what it is. 
If they have heard of it, they tend to dismiss it or adamantly deny that it could happen to them. <laughs> this is part of the fun part, actually, the, the amusing part of, of men and male health. But this is important business still. So back to the reading here. Even when experiencing most of the symptoms that, that define andropause, men, and sometimes even their doctors, will usually attribute those symptoms to another cause. Also true. While some doctors still deny that andropause even exists, and scientific studies are often inconclusive and conflicting, men and those who brave the midlife years with them, <laughs> this is, of course, women writing uh, to this uh, chapter here, may find that midlife is a time of transition, as, as palpable and measurable as the changes young boys go through during puberty. Andropause marks another distinct stage in the cyclical growth of men with power and physiologic and psychological effects. However, while puberty is uh, marked by an increase of the male's sex hormones, namely testosterone, andropause marks a slow decline of the male sex hormones. This decrease in male sex hormones, however slight, is measured in nanograms per deciliter. And this brings several significant changes in varying degrees in men. These changes can feel disturbing and unfamiliar, especially because they are given very little support and encouragement in navigating the transition in a positive and reflective manner. Why aren't scientific studies more conclusive? Almost all scientific research on male hormones focuses on one type of testosterone, and that remains stable in men as they progress in the years. This is the hormone that allows men to be sexually active and to produce offsprings virtually into their 80s. However, another form of testosterone that's equally important in defining maleness tends to decrease in most men between the, between the ages of 45 and 60. The years typically associated with andropause. By the time they reach the 80s, most men have very little of this form of testosterone remaining in their systems. What are the symptoms of andropause? Not all men experience these symptoms, but certainly no one experiences all of them. But the symptoms include depression, fatigue, irritability, diminishing sex drive and libido, erectile dysfunction, muscle loss, <coughs> excuse me, weight loss, weight gain, male breast development, gynomastia, excuse me, hair loss, and sleep apnea. The first academic paper describing these male climacteric, or andropause, appeared in 1939 in the Journal of the American Medical Association, and five years later, a treatment study was published in the same journal. So the concept has been recognized for some time now. Nevertheless, in general, people still find it difficult to accept that male, strike that, that men experience a period of hormonal decline, similar to what women experience in menopause, and that it plays a major uh, factor in their emotional and physical development. We are still emerging from the dark ages when it comes to recognizing the importance of these cyclicals, strike that, these cycles in, in, in our lives. Until fairly recently in history, menopause was considered female hysteria, 
and menopausal women were often treated with uh, for mental disorders given shock therapy locked in mental hospitals or treated with addictive and harmful drugs. Unlike menopausal women who experienced distinct physical changes to mark the occasion, such as the cessation of menstrual cycles and the inability to conceive any longer, physical changes in andropause in men often are less abrupt and therefore less noticeable. They also occur slowly over a period of many years. However, the psychological and emotional changes that can be dramatic and life-changing, men begin to feel and think differently. Now is the time when a man might go through what is commonly called a midlife crisis. Depression and anger, often unexplainability, set during these years. The once happy-go-lucky guy becomes an old grump, and nothing seems to make him happy anymore. He, he is baffled by this. Mind you, I'm laughing because I'm, of course, of well, even beyond this age situation. But anyway, he may be baffled by this sudden change in his attitude, and everyone who knows him. His changing emotions and thought patterns may drive him to make drastic changes, a new job, a new relationship, a new home. Though such a move may just uh, may be just what they need to get over the hump, men may not exert the same care and thoughtfulness that they normally give to such life-changing decisions. In fact, these midlife years as Hormones shift and change. Men often are accused, for better or for worse, as acting more like teenage boys they once were. <laughs> we, uh, we feel stuck in our adolescent self-image that allows us to stress ourselves with bad food, overwork, and, and reckless exercise, or no exercise at all, and, and unaddressed rage. We cling to the belief right up to the first coronary bypass that we can turn years of sloppy living around tomorrow when we find we can't we, we feel emasculated terrified and betrayed we could use a masculine model that is less blindly stoic and allows a greater sympathy for the moral progression of our bodies so said ray carolhair md the majority of the changes that men experience during andropause aren't necessarily negative, and they can be positive. In fact, they signal the rite of passage into what can be the most powerful and empowering time in a man's life. As, led, uh, as Jed Diamond, author of The Invisible, excuse me, The Irritable Male Syndrome, uh, states, um, male menopause is the transition... Uh, period that prepares us for life in the second half. These years can be the same as the most purposeful and productive for men as they learn to channel their energy in new directions. They uh, may assume new leadership roles in their communities, mentor younger men, pursue spiritual paths, and answer their inner callings, a calling that often goes ignored when their primary role is provider and protector. As men are paying more attention to their health and welfare, and as medical science advances, there's greater recognition of this important cycle in men's lives. And with that recognition, the opportunity for men to ease themselves through it with better skills and tools. 
Along with adopting different, uh, different attitudes about the middle years, men have also the opportunity to restore natural levels of hormones in their bodies through herbs, diet, fitness, and lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle changes that help reduce and, and counteract some of the negative effects of aging. Now, this is, again, what our, our guest in a few moments will be ch- sharing with us, the, their, their approach to, um, you know, adjusting to these changes, which, of course, they're largely focusing on, um, well, there's quite a good list of things that they, they offer. They don't, they're not going to be talking about drugs. Strike that. They're going to be talking about herbs. But they are going to be talking about diet, fitness, and lifestyle changes. So there's there's some pretty good overlap here. Typical symptoms of andropause may also indicate other conditions such as adrenal fatigue, excess stress, diabetes, thresh, uh, thyroid issues, and endocrine gland disorders. Many of the symptoms of andropause can also be contributed to an healthy and unhealthy, unhealthy aging process. Our modern lifestyle with its high stress levels, lack of exercise, poor nutritional habits, and chronic exposure to estrogenic and other environmental pollutants combined with increased life expectancy have a substantial effect on the male body. Hormone-producing glands, which have a direct effect on energy levels and sexual drive, are being forced to work harder and longer. In men, this hormonal imbalance often is the biggest impact has often the biggest impact on testosterone and cortisol, the stress hormone. With testosterone and cortisol levels out of balance, men are at higher risk for andropose andropose symptoms. And that's one of the things I hope we'll be able to explore with Dr. Spar as we uh, speak with him shortly. Um, Because I'm interested in seeing what the MD, MD people feel about that. So there's a... There are significant evidence that scores of substances, such as usually synthetic chemicals, and either are either as estrogens or mimic estrogens are entering men's bodies and altering andropause estrogen ratio for far beyond the normal range that men have historically experienced. The males of every species, not just humans, are paying the price of these estrogenic effects. So that's another... Um, a uh, big fact that we'll be hope to be able to talk about with our next uh, our next guest. Um, let's see. So I think we'll keep going here for a little bit. Actually, we'll take a little break. So please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Okay. And welcome back to Health Matters Radio, Dr. Ned Hoke. Today, joined by uh, Dr. Miles Spar, the Chief Medical Officer of Vault Health the first men's telehealth startup offering direct-to-consumer prescription treatments, uh, testosterone replacement therapies to optimize the physical, sexual, and cognitive health. He's an expert on integrative medical uh, men's health and has, uh, has tips on how men can improve their sexual health. Well, uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Spar. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. Well, uh, of course, here we are in the middle of the pandemic, and so this is kind of a nice break from all the things that we've had to do reporting that we've had to do on, on COVID. So this is a, 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 a conceivably a much more cheerful thing. But, but beside that, it's also what we can be thinking about in this time of pandemic. Uh, a man who, men at least, many men have more time on their hands, and they can actually kind of... Uh, come to grips with some of the things you're going to be able to tell us about. So, Dr. Spar, 
Let's let's start with, uh, as you just say in some of your literature online at vaulthealth.com. Is that where we people can find things? Exactly. Yes, they can go to the main website, and especially our blog is a lot of great information for men and even for the women who care about men in their life. So you can go to vaulthealth.com slash backslash blog uh, for a lot of interesting articles. Great. Well, that's of course will be of, of considerable interest, I'm sure, to some of our listeners. So, uh, Dr. Spar. Uh, let's start with the sort of the basic discussion about how it turns out that, and this kind of sort of segues partly in what it is that, that caused you to take on the business, this, this style of business that you have. Men have a hard time confronting the situation. So maybe let's start with that and talk a little bit about your experience and your knowledge about both why you got into the business the way you did, but also it, the, the difficulty that so many men have as they reach their 40s and 50s and they begin to notice a change in how they feel in the world and how their sexual behavior uh, seems to be. And so maybe you could sort of, in a general way, begin, begin us the discussion with that. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it is just about our, our understanding of what manhood is and what masculinity is, and men are kind of taught unfortunately i think and to our detriment to be stoic and that being a man means not seeking help um and so that's led to a lot of things one of which is men are half as likely to even have an identified healthcare practitioner in their life as women are um certainly part of that is because women often have a gynecologist they go to regularly for checkups but even in that gynecology visit, it gives them an opportunity to interact with a healthcare professional about all sorts of things health-related. And men, by and large, don't have that, and they wait oftentimes until it's too late to really seek care for something that's already broken instead of maybe getting on top of things ahead of it. Um, and they don't really often see the value in that. They often see that as a weakness. So I think what we're trying to do is help men understand just like you get a coach if you want to be a better basketball player you can get a coach for your health and maybe look at your healthcare practitioners that way as somebody who can really help you to prevent problems to, to perform better because health is an important part of performance and that's really our aim is to change the whole way men see healthcare as something that can help them achieve their goals perform better not just something you seek out when already things are broken when you say the word broken, uh, what does that mean? Well, it can mean anything from, you know, men die younger than women. Men are winning at nine of the top ten causes of death, uh, meaning that they die younger than women at nine, Part, partly because they take poor care of themselves. They're less likely to exercise than women. They're more likely to be overweight. They're more likely to smoke. They're more likely to take risks, and they're less likely to go to the doctor. So we feel like if you can make a doctor visit easier, i.e. with telemedicine, if you can make it with a healthcare practitioner who really understands men and that men aren't necessarily going to do a lot of things in the name of prevention, but they will do things in the name of performing better and knowing what men's hormones are, knowing what happens with men as they age, all of those things are really a particular specialty of men's health that's getting more and more recognized as something that is a specialty in and of itself. It used to be thought of that men's health was everything that isn't women's health, when really it's, it's actually much more specific than that. So, you know, we're really building an, a network of specialists in this field of men's health who get men and who men can see with very little hurdles to go through. Mm -hmm. So help us understand in terms of your company development, how is it 
how do you organize um, and and how do you how are you how are you drawing in physicians to be part of your networks because you're you're seeking to become a national 50 state solution for men in a telehealth area so help our listeners uh, understand a little bit maybe a little bit about kind of how you're outreaching to the to the medical profession so that they in other words are these people are are these people um, are you recruiting them yourself directly or are they are you showing up at, at, at medical seminars and presenting yourself as the as a, a marketing tool for for local practices maybe you could tell us a little bit about that part of your um, uh, you're bringing together the network of people that that uh, uh, w that our listeners might eventually go to sure yeah we're really we're not um, trying to help people market their own practices so we're not taking that approach um, and we're not you know an affiliation of practices we actually employ physicians and nurse practitioners ourselves um, and we train them in men's health we like to start with practitioners who already have some understanding of mental health, but they all have a passion around mental health or they wouldn't be attracted to us. So we recruit individual practitioners and then we take them through our own training program to train them on what is mental health, what is hormone therapy like for men, what are other performance-based therapies like for men that we offer and why is that needed, what kind of testing is appropriate for men. So, you know, because there's not a lot of it out there, it's kind of our own um, in-house program to develop mental health specialists. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of them, so some of them are full-time if they want to do that, um, but many of them are not. So many of them might have their own practice doing whatever they want to be doing, usually a brick-and-mortar practice, and then they will work with us to do telemedicine as well, mostly because they want to learn more about men's health and get more engaged in it. And they understand that most guys don't live in a place where there are mental health specialists geographically near them. So they... These practitioners are excited to be able to offer services to men, you know, throughout the state they're licensed in um, that may not be in a in a easy drive distance from their office. And and of course, that's what's striking and stands out about your program is the is the at least the potential the ability of of men to access these services, you know, virtually anywhere. Given that so much of what you're what's going on. Or you, as you read, our listeners can go to your website, uh, vaulthealth.com, and they can find out the particulars, the specifics of of exactly how you move through the process and and uh, how so much of this is done uh, with in a telehealth basis. And so this this can be done. And of course, there's the there's the sort of <laughs> I had to I have to laugh because I'm old enough to have been through, you know, the the years of when. No, the you know the yeah. magazines came in in brown paper wrappers and and discussion right, right. discussions of all that and and so uh, what you've done is also you've kind of I, you've re replicated some of the some of the standards that that existed and the other thing that I want to say just speaking as a practitioner is is that for those of us who've been around this topic uh, for any length of time it wasn't that many years ago that you'd go to these these symposiums and you'd find all kinds of people who were you know tr rushing at the whole issue of just sort of loading up testosterone to men and with their patches and this and that but it, it, for those of us who cared about <coughs> endocrinological balance and hormonal balance a lot of it just seemed very unsound and so what i guess i feel grateful to you guys is that you're taking the time to 
uh, you know, carefully look at the situation and, and provide guidance uh, to a bigger picture idea of what uh, a, a testosterone and the whole issue of low, low testosterone could mean and sh might mean, but you're making discriminating choices and, and you have an ongoing process. So let's talk about some of the things, if, uh, we've still got a few minutes, uh, talk about some of the things that do for our listeners who are men or who are uh, people who are concerned about men, what are the, I mean, and, and given that we, we accept, I mean, I think we both can accept that the, there is a hormonal change that men go through. And in other words, the, the hormones, the, the activity of their hormones that they had in puberty in younger years definitely does change. Maybe we should start there. Let's talk about uh, a few words about uh, the different kinds of hormones uh, in terms of different kinds of testosterone that are being measured and kind of what low T means and what it might mean and what it maybe doesn't mean. Say a few words about that if you would. Sure, absolutely. And I appreciate what you said because it's, you know, we definitely are not just a pushing T clinic to anybody who asks, T being testosterone. You know, we, I'm an internist, I'm a board certified internist, and the other clinical lead involved is a urologist. So that represents kind of the two sides of men's health. Some of it's from a primary care internal medicine basis who come to be specialists in men's health and some come from it from urology. So, you know, we both are, you know, I've been involved in academics and in research. I've been on faculty at UCLA and University of Arizona. Um, and my colleagues on faculty was at Baylor and University of Utah. So we're not just going to give tea to anybody. So it's, this is not for just a bodybuilder who wants to get a <laughs> right. high level. Right. Um, you know, in some places do that. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's safe. You know, we are all about optimizing performance. And so, there's a bias, though, to saying, well, it's okay if I take thyroid because my thyroid hormone is low. And it's okay if I make sure my insulin is okay. So if I'm pre-diabetic, I make sure that I take medicine to get my insulin working better. But somehow many of my colleagues in the field you know, of medicine are like, well, but I'm not going to deal with testosterone because that's just an anti-aging thing. Um, and so that bothers me because hormones, you know, I'm sure your audience knows hormones are hormones by definition, because they have impacts all over the body. That's what defines a hormone. It doesn't just have a reaction in one place. It has receptors in all different tissues. So they all interact with each other. They all affect all, everything in the body. And so testosterone specifically doesn't just affect sex. It also affects heart disease. And we know low testosterone is associated with increased risk of heart disease. It's associated actually with increased early mortality because it affects so many things around inflammation and heart disease risk. Um, so it is something that's important to be optimized and to be normalized. So if T is really low, it causes obviously sexual symptoms, but it also causes symptoms that can contribute, like I said, to these other conditions, including prediabetes and diabetes. So um, certainly it, in women, they notice a lot more dramatic decrease in estrogen. We know as menopause as they age. With men, though, they also get a decrease in testosterone as they age, and that isn't okay you know for some men it stays within the normal range and that's fine but for some men it really gets very low and they get symptomatic over time and it's a more gradual decrease with age so it may not be as dramatic because with women often that decrease in estrogen comes about and you know within a five-year period at the most sometimes even shorter with men it's more starting really in your mid to late 30s your testosterone starts to decline um it declines so such that 40% of men under over the age of 40 actually have clinically low testosterone that affect 
physiologic function. Um, and so it's very prevalent to have really low levels that are causing symptoms such as low energy and inability to lose body fat, inability to gain muscle mass, moodiness, in addition to the sexual symptoms of erectile dysfunction and difficulty just having a libido or a mojo. So all of those things really should trigger a desire to check what your level is. And I really think it's important to just know where you stand, especially if you're having any of those symptoms I mentioned, because while you can certainly try and address the body composition issues and your mood issues and even blood sugar issues, um, with other things. If your T is really low, you're going to be working against yourself if you don't recognize that part of the underlying problem needs to be dealt with, and that's that testosterone being normalized, just like you would normalize thyroid hormone or, or other hormones. And so, but, but in, in fairness, of course, we have to, we, we probably have to be sensitive to the fact that that this is some of this is pretty much new, not entirely new territory, but the actualization of the monitoring of this, of this aspect of, of the male life. It's, uh, I mean, I and, and you you know probably better than I, but in terms of the average practice of some uh, physician in his thirties, forties, and fifties, let's say, uh, how much attention are they giving to this this topic and and. And, and how much attention are they p- paying to the, the cortisol and the testosterone and the, the relative hormonal balance? There's that part of it. Then there's another part, which, of course, I'm hoping you'll have a word or two about or some thoughts about, which, of course, is the estrogenic effect of so much of modern chemistry. So, I mean, one, right. of, the things, one of the things that worried me as I looked at your, I won't say worried me, but brought to, came to mind was how your practitioners... How careful are they going to be with those other matters? And of course, the fact that we're all living so much—we're sort of living so much longer. Praise the Lord! But at the same time, the the impact of the reality of modern life, you know, goes on and on and on. If we're going to live, you know, well into our 80s and 90s, so there's the, the issue is of low T is 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 woven into a, a much bigger package than than merely the low T itself. So. Um, uh, I'm not sure I have a question in that, but um, I am interested in, in maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the cortisol testosterone dynamic and the, the potential for imbalance there just from the chronic stress of modern life. Sure. Well, I think part of what, what you're getting at, and I'll definitely get to that last question, but yeah, I mean, our practitioners and any practitioner who's really working with men on their hormones, um, they check not just testosterone, but there are a few different things. Number one, whenever you get your testosterone checked, it shouldn't just be your total testosterone. It needs to be something called your bioavailable or your free testosterone because most of our testosterone is bound up to protein, either albumin or something called sex hormone binding globulin. And so a total testosterone isn't all that reflective of the actual active testosterone. You need to know how much is active with these other measures. So we check those. We also check estrogen because as men we do have estrogen mostly in the form of estradiol uh, much less than women but we still have it and if it's too low that's dangerous and if it's too high it can contribute to gynecomastia which is man boobs and it can contribute to a lot of the same symptoms of low t of feeling like you have no libido and have erection problems and mood problems so when we treat a man with this, those kind of symptoms, we don't want to just check his testosterone. We want to also see, well, maybe his testosterone is fine, but his estrogen is too high. And there are things we can do with medications as well as diets and supplements to help 
help address that. The number one cause, by the way, of really high estrogen is obesity um, because adipose tissue is very estrogenic. Adipose tissue isn't just a blob. It's very active. <laughs> right. Actually, you know, yeah, and it has an enzyme called aromatase that converts testosterone into estrogen. And so the more fat you have, the more you convert your testosterone into estrogen. So one of the things we might do is say, you know what, before we even start you on any hormones, let's work on your diet and get you to lose some weight because mm -hmm. you may not need anything other than that. Um, and then we check a PSA for prostate cancer screening because we know giving testosterone does not cause prostate cancer. That is proven. However, if a man has prostate cancer, you need to be very careful about giving him testosterone, and most of the time you wouldn't give testosterone in the face of prostate cancer. So we screen very aggressively for prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. We check a blood count. It's also important to check blood count because your, your blood count can get elevated with testosterone therapy. Right. We're talking to Dr. Miles Spar, the Chief Medical Officer of Vault Health. Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. And welcome back to Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined by Dr. Miles Spar, the Chief Medical Officer of Vault Health. And now we can maybe transition some of our discussion to some of the things that men can do to make a difference in terms of their hormonal balance. And, of course, this is such a big piece and such an important element. And so I'm really interested in hearing uh, from Dr. Spar specifically about the guidance that you are providing to men, uh, specifically around the, the uh, personal behaviors that, that, you might, that they might uh, participate in. And so let's talk, about, let's talk about some of those issues. What, what can men do to help maintain their, their natural uh, testosterone levels or natural hormonal balance levels, really? And uh, so give us some guidance. Be begin to give some guidance in that direction, if you would, Dr. Spark. Sure. Well, I would start with something you had mentioned earlier about cortisol. So, you know, it's a stressful time, obviously, with COVID and everything going on with politics, with environment, with it's just, you know, financially, it's, it's, it's just a very stressful time. And stress is manifested in the body oftentimes as an increase in the hormone cortisol. It comes from your adrenal gland. It's your stress hormone. It's important and it's great when you're under acute stress, meaning short-term stress, because it tells your body, all right, we got to deal with this. we got to fight or run or freeze or do something to protect ourselves because we are under threat, and that's essential for survival. The problem is our brains are thinking that we're always under threat these days, or for many of us anyway, and so you're constantly pumping out high amounts of cortisol, which over time is not good. It's good for a short period of time to help you react. It's very taxing on the body when that's constantly being released and in fact i call it like the anti-pee hormone because it really tells the body okay don't focus on sex don't focus on making babies that you may not be able to protect because you're under threat you need to just survive so let's focus on blood to the heart blood to the muscles pupil dilate let's go let's run let's fight and so things like digestion get compromised your immune system gets compromised from high cortisol and your testosterone goes down. I mean, we, again, to bring it to women, we're used to hearing about women who stop menstruating when they're really stressed or, or training for like an ultra marathon or something. So the same thing happens, and that's because their sex hormones get deranged. They get out of whack because of the stress. The same thing happens with guys. So the number one thing guys can do, even if they have low T, is to think about, well, is it a stress thing? Is my cortisol so high that it's telling my body to stop making tea? 
And then what can I do to manage that stress? I can't get rid of the stress, but I could think about doing breath work or mindfulness or journaling or prayer or exercise, some way to help get the brain to feel like, all right, we're not under threat all the time. We don't have to be in fight or flight mode all the time. And, and, and this, that and in and of itself will help. And this is quite a big deal, what you're talking about there. And, and the, the other thing that men may not know or, or may not because of the way they inter- interact with their health practitioner, they may not realize that this, this stress is not just some vague idea, but it, this is something that, that, that can literally be measured in a very forthright manner. So in, in my experience, of, uh, my experience of, of, of men going to physicians, a lot of times when they, they, they tell the doctor that, well, I'm stressed, but the doctor a lot of times isn't likely to suggest, well, let's do a stress hormone test. I mean, they, they just doesn't seem to be in, in the normal armamentarium of a lot of conventional medical uh, practices. So that instead of a man getting a very clear idea that his stress this that he has a hormonal imbalance that is related to his stress hormones, he gets a, he gets something different. He gets a pat on the back or a suge- or a suggestion in, in a bunch of with a few words to sort of change his lifestyle. But this, but what you're offering in your program here is a very monitored and organized way of actually making a, a, a definitive diagnosis that then can be monitored over time. You can see how well you're doing with your stress hormones and your the stress hormones and how, that, those, how those hormones may relate to your testosterone so that you can actually follow all this. Absolutely, yeah. You know, unfortunately, a lot of conventional doctors aren't really used to doing that. Um, I'm trained in integrative medicine, and there are also functional medicine providers that do this kind of testing. Part of it is because it's it's not so easy to check cortisol on a blood test, so we often will do it in a saliva test, um, which is a little bit easier for, you know, people just to even order for themselves. You can order them online. You can do what's called an adrenal stress index, where you actually do a saliva test four times in one day. So you're not just checking your cortisol at one point in time, you're checking it first thing in the morning, around lunchtime, around dinner time, and at bedtime, and you can get a nice curve um, to see, are you just always pumping out a lot of cortisol and you're really in this stress state? Are you kind of burnt out and your cortisol is always low because you've been under stress for so long and now that might be why you're tired all the time. You know, So it's, it's a really good way, like you said, to monitor any interventions you're doing to try and manage your stress to see the impact that's having. Right. And, and of course, uh, taking it, what I like and appreciate about what you've done by, by articulating into the, into the narrow part of the, in other words, the, the niche market, you might say, of the man's life, instead of having to deal with all of his, his various, the complexities of his health matters, and then this, this particular group of facts and important things can get lost in the, in the malaise of everything else. By focusing, as you, as you are doing, this is going to help probably a lot of guys, I have to believe, it's going to help a lot of guys to sort of take more, more directly and more seriously the opportunity and the, the, really the, in some sense the necessity to address this particular uh, hormonal balance issue in a way that can be a lot more effective than you might do in an ordinary environment, ordinary medical environment where it's your sore toe or your headaches. or When you throw all that in the package, th- th- this particular balancing function is, is oftentimes neglected or only given a very, very uh, passing attention. So let's coming back to the, the exercises that boost libido. Because as you say, as we know, that a lot of what guys when they think about testosterone, they think, well, and they think of what their problems might be, 
you've got a, a, some plans that you give people that, that actually provide them some take-home advice in terms of actually addressing some of the, 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 perf the performance needs that they feel they need to improve. So let's talk about some of those issues and what men, might, what men can do and sh perhaps should do uh, the, to improve the, their libido and, and some of the strength of their, of their hormonal balance. Sure. So, I mean, so exercise is important in, in several respects. So especially when you look at strength training or resistance training as well as kind of cardio. So and, and with, when it comes to libido, one thing that will help is raising your testosterone. And we know that studies show the more muscle mass you have, the more testosterone you make. Um, and the more fat mass you have, the more you convert testosterone away from testosterone into estrogen. So exercise, especially with resistance training and working with weights, building muscle mass helps in both those ways. It helps you make more testosterone. And then in burning the fat that you burn through that exercise, you're keeping more of it as testosterone and less as estrogen. And that contributes to libido. Studies also show, and this is one of the surveys we did, that the more comfortable men are about how they appear in the mirror, the more they're comfortable they are with their body composition, <laughs> right. the better their you know, the better their libido is. And, you know, like, I'm looking pretty hot. Then you suddenly feel a little more randy, and that actually is significant. So working out and helping your body composition helps libido in that way. And then the, the cardio exercise helps libido because, number one, it decreases stress. We know that really getting your heart rate up and doing, like, high-intensity interval training every once in a while, that's when you get your heart rate up for, you know, a short period of time and then recover a little bit and then heart rate up and recover. That actually really does help your body to, to be more resilient to stress. And so, therefore, just like I was saying, stress lowers T. If you're doing that kind of exercise, you're going to train your body not to pump out as much cortisol. So that's going to help your libido as well. So it's really those two different forms of exercise. It's the strength training that will directly help with your testosterone, especially your testosterone to estrogen ratios, and then the cardio that will help you not only burn fat, which will help your teeth, but it really helps your, your resilience to stress, and that will help your libido as well. Which is, uh, which is really very true, and, that, and, and of course, the, the, the men that I know that, that make the transition, who, who uh, embrace the idea that, that, that this potential exists for them, it, it's truly remarkable. I'm sure you get a... Uh, the physician satisfaction, you might say, of, of, of a great number of men who, once they embrace some of these principles, it can make, can make a remarkable difference and make a, a happy camper, so to speak, in terms of the, terms of the guy. So I, I do have one. We're coming up pretty much to the end of your available time, so I want to respect that. Um, you, you also mentioned that men need to be thinking about kegels, and they might think also about yoga. So say a word or two about both those er areas, if you would. Sorry, I missed part of your question. You said about kegels, and what was the other part? Yoga. How do, how does, oh, yes. how do kegels and yoga fit into this picture? Great question. Um, kegels help, you know, because some guys have issues with lasting as long as they want to. So we definitely hear from guys, and we have some solutions for them that have premature ejaculation issues. And it's hard to really control that ejaculation and then the, the time of the sexual experience, which can, which can be frustrating for them and for their partner. And so kegels actually help you with that. They can help you kind of you know, get to know your muscles down there in your perineum area and really and know how to control that, um, how to kind of 
hold back from the point of no return, so to speak. So um, definitely encourage guys to look on our blogs for that information or online for that. That can definitely help with that. And then yoga, um, you know, I mentioned exercise in terms of resistance training and cardio. The other two parts of exercise that are really important are flexibility and core. So if you're, if you're really being well-rounded in your exercise, you want resistance, so you want to build muscle, you want cardio to burn fat and to keep your heart healthy, and then you want to protect your musculoskeletal system with flexibility and core so that you don't have a bad heart, bad back that hurts all the time, that your abs are good and strong, that your kind of core belt around your whole body is keeping you upright and strong and you're not going to have hunched over pain and, and you know, get hunched over as you age. And so yoga really helps with that core and the flexibility um, in ways that will prevent pain and prevent early aging. Mm-hmm. That's good news, of course. And I, I'm as someone who's been doing yoga since 1968, um, it's it's been an enormous part of my life, and so it's been a great uh, I've been a great pleasure to have been trained and given some guidance in that way. I have one more little sort of side hormonal question. I'm just curious about your opinion. Sure. Uh, some people some people talk about when the the um, when the men's the men's estradiol gets too to be too prominent in the estrogen t- uh, uh, testing that they they suggest the use of progesterone for men. So. Tell me a little bit, do you, do you folks uh, in your tr- training and your pr- protocol, are you doing any balancing of estrogenic effects with progesterone on men? We don't do that a lot. Sometimes um, we will consider doing that. We would always test the progesterone first. Sure. Um, and, and if the progesterone to estrogen ratio is off, after the progesterone is low, you can do that. So once in a while, we... we for example, we'll, we'll give testosterone in different ways. We will give it either as an injection um, or even um, as a topical cream for some guys. And you can, if you're doing a topical cream from a compounding pharmacy, you can put a little progesterone in there. You could also do oral progesterone at night, which can help with sleep. So it's, it's not a real common thing we do, but certainly it's something if the symptoms suggest that progesterone is an issue, we, we would consider testing that and addressing that as well. Another, I guess my sort of a last hormonal question is, in terms of the, the utilization of, of self-directed DHEA and the DHEA testing, are, does, does your protocol include uh, s- some of that protocol that would then possibly precede the actual use of testosterone? In other words, making the DHEA, trying to correct if, if that's an obvious, uh, if that tests as an obvious low factor, might that precede the utilization of testosterone in your protocol? Yeah, it could. If it, we do check the HEA and if it's easy to supplement, if that's low but testosterone is high, we would just do the DHA. We would, well, we would recommend DHEA, yeah, that you mm-hmm. get that. If, right. they're, if they're both low, then we would potentially do both. We don't necessarily do it stepwise. You can certainly start with both. Um, and then if you want to try tapering one off, you could. But, yeah, DHA is very important for libido, um, and it especially comes from the adrenal gland. So when, when there are cortisol issues, oftentimes there's a DHEA issue. So that should be checked as well, and we certainly incorporate that into our protocols. Right. Well, uh, Dr. Miles Spar, it's been a real pleasure to have you and uh, have you discuss some of your uh, some of your work at, at Vault Health and, and in the telemedicine area, which is uh, going to be new to a lot of our listeners. And, and so we're happy to have uh, you, some of you 
modernists, you might say, in terms of the area of medicine, uh, uh, share with us some of this information. So give our listeners benefit, again, one more time, if you'd mentioned your website and and uh, and what people should find, what, what people should look for in terms of when they go to your website. Sure, they should go to our website, vaulthealth.com. I would really go directly to our blog. That's the richest source of information. So vault, V-A-U-L-T, health.com, backslash blog. Mm-hmm. They can also follow us on social media, on Instagram or Facebook under Vault Health. And when do you feel that it's likely that we in California may benefit from the, the guidance that your group is putting together? Um, I'm hoping by the end of March, by the end of the first quarter of 2021, we should be out there. All right. Well, you've obviously made great strides. You're in many, many states around the state, so we're, we're happy to have you. And thank you again for taking some time, Dr. Miles Spar of Vault Health. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Good day now.